You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Uh, hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 96. Uh, as usual, I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. And this week we are joined by Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? Thank you very much for allowing me to be here. Oh, you, you asked us to come on, so we couldn't turn you down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Harry Potter fan. What can I say? I just love it. <laughs> I know, literally, like, we've been getting so many messages from you since we started the series. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, uh, One in particular, uh, Cookie had an issue with my distaste for Dobby. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I don't know anybody who doesn't like the character. It's just, it's so hard. I must be the only one because one of my friends was listening and uh, she texted me and she goes, we've been friends for almost 20 years and I had no idea you didn't like Dobby. I was like, (laughs) not a fan of Dobby. I have never been a Dobby fan. Oh, you're missing out on life. Sorry, not (laughs) sorry. That's hilarious. Um, So as usual, we have new episodes that come out pretty much every wednesday unless mm-hmm. it's covid or yeah <laughs> someone's got someone's broken some legs or someone just hasn't got internet we're pr- probably you know so we moved from um, our sunday release to dropping on wednesdays we thought we'd join in with everybody else and join in that whiplash wednesday and um so we are on everybody's podcast platform and jasmine will tell you all about that now yep and if you are watching us on youtube thank you so much uh we would really appreciate it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel be sure to hit that what do you call it, Mark? The the like the like the bell, right? It's a oh bell. the notification bell. Yeah, yeah. Be sure to hit that bell so you know when we upload new videos to YouTube. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, thank you for that as well. We would also appreciate it if you would leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. And this week's episode, we are continuing. So we are reviewing the fifth Harry Potter movie in our run to our one hundredth episode. Um. And obviously, Cookie has been a fan of our series so far. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, he asked if he could come on. So we were, we were chatting about him coming on for this run at some point. And he was like, no, man, I want to get on here uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, chat. Uh, anyway, so before we get into any anything like that, I just thought I'd actually quickly just jump onto one piece of news, which I saw, which I kind of thought was funny. Probably not yeah, really Tragic funny. a bit? <laughs> it would like, probably be a better answer. <laughs> It's, it's not funny because there's obviously people's jobs are obviously involved. Um, but anyway, uh, CW has been sold for zero bucks uh, wow. to uh, yeah, uh, a company called Nexstar. Uh, never heard of them before. I don't know if you two have. Uh, anyway, they're going to require 75% of the CW for zero. Uh, however, Nexstar will assume a significant portion of the CW's current losses, which could exceed over $100 million. That is, that is some faith. Like, not only did you acquire this, like, tanking company, but you also assume the loss for this company. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think there's rumors that they're potentially going to be changing the demographic of the CW, where the CW was kind of like teen. Yeah, teenage 20s. girls and you, Mark. Yeah, teenage girls and me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are like yeah. the exception to the CW demographic. To be honest, I don't think. I'm not sure if I watch anything from anymore. No, I haven't watched. <laughs> I haven't watched the last two seasons. So I haven't watched the last two seasons of The Flash. 
Oh, I do watch Superman and Lois because, and that's actually, in a way, one of the most <clears throat> standout shows there. Mm-hmm. It's so different from the kind of Arrowverse shows, which actually, uh, I haven't watched the last couple of episodes, but they've uh, apparently there was some controversy in the most recent episode where they made a reference which implied they are not part of the main Arrowverse, that they are on a separate world. Oh, so, interesting. So, but like, he Tyler Hoechlin has crossed over in all of the crisis events. What do you mean no, you're not on the no. same world? So what happened was during crisis, what we were led to believe was Supergirl's Earth and all the main Arrowverse characters were now on the same planet. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, when Superman and Lois died, we were led to believe that also he, he was now part of this same Earth, Earth Prime. Um, and it's really weird in, in season one, Diggle did make a guest appearance. So mm-hmm. again, that everybody thought that they're part of the Arrowverse. But um, what I read was that uh, General Lane made a comment about the multiverse or something. And he said, made a reference to other heroes out there in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that what the article I was reading was the creators of Superman and Lois did say, um, basically, the uh, DC, the CW, um, they were all in agreement. They wanted Superman and Lois to be its own separate thing. Um, <laughs> they don't want it attached to that Arrowverse stigma? Well, I'm assuming that it's probably because they know the Arrowverse is going to come to an end. Yeah. Um, they did say if COVID hadn't happened, they probably would have kept it part of the Arrowverse because it was meant to be a Bat- uh, Batwoman and uh, Superman crossover. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, but anyway, so in some ways it's probably... Although I would have quite liked it to have been part of the Arrowverse, probably long term, it probably is better that it isn't because if because the CW's cancelled like ninety percent of its shows in the mm-hmm. in the last sort of six months, and the only two shows left, I think, are the Flash. Oh no, Stargirl. Stargirl is on also a separate Earth. Um, so we've got Stargirl, um, which is a separate Earth. I think it's like Earth Two or something don't know where superman lois is and then if the flash will eventually come to an end i assume probably next season probably be its last season it might maybe it's a good idea that the arrowverse has come to an end i mean i know you've got that gotham knights show that they're doing but let's be honest that's probably not going to last too long um so i hope that whoever next star are that they (laughs) have got a really good strategy for turning turning the cw around i doubt it <laughs> i doubt yeah, it. they must they must have a plan you're not going to go and take a significant chunk of 100 million uh losses and i think the they're best. just they're gonna have to absorb it into something else i don't know that cw can be revamped at this point i think it's gonna have to be absorbed and then morph into something completely different kind of like when upn and wb merged to give us the cw in the first place unless they just want the content because everybody wants content mm-hmm. yeah and then they'll just syndicate it somewhere else and then the Synd- cw yeah. will disappear altogether yeah maybe 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 they'll or maybe they'll uh, license it over to netflix for a period of time yeah who knows netflix needs all the help they can get right now yeah well, yeah <laughs> uh what are your thoughts cookie on um cw been sold for zero um, well, I used to be a Berlanti fan, uh, Greg Berlanti, the guy who's kind of producing everything that's going on in that verse. So the Berlanti yeah. verse, I was big on it. Um, I fell off. I don't even know. Flash season three, maybe. Uh, I watched uh, Legends of Tomorrow. That was my favorite of all. Um, but it just, I don't have TV. I don't have cable. So it's something that I don't actually go and hop on or try to go and access because there's no point. Mm-hmm. And then after I saw things kind of like you just fall into the wayside, it's just like, ah, oh, what's the point? There's so much going on. It's like a comic book. You have to read this. You have to read that for it all to culminate to one. 
And I just didn't have the opportunity to go and do all that, to go and watch everything. Can you kind of fall off? If you can watch one show and enjoy it and there's no connection to everything else, then it's like, okay, great. I can watch this. I don't have to worry about anything else. And I think they tried to do uh, an infinity saga, which ultimately failed for them, I think. And because of that, you're, you're selling off the company for zero in hopes that the licenses you currently have will last until however long that they can possibly bring something out of it. But I don't think it's a smart decision, in my opinion. But I mean, only time will tell. I, I agree with that, though. Like, I think when when the Arrowverse was still small, when it was mm-hmm. basically just Arrow and Flash, it was very easy to keep up with the yeah. crossover. But then we got Legends of Tomorrow and... Um, Batgirl and Supergirl and it was just like I can't keep up I don't want to watch five shows like I was fine watching two shows I don't really mm. want to watch five shows to it's like you you don't have to but then like you miss out on half the fun because it's like they make those little inside jokes or exactly you know it's like at that point the cost of entry gets to be too high um and it feels like that's kind of the same thing that's happening like with the MCU you've got 10 years of films and now you guys are trying to like put those 10 years in a box and say, okay, we're done with this. This three, these three phases are finished. We're moving into phase four. We're bringing in all these new characters, but like in another three years, are people going to be able to just jump into whatever the current MCU film is, or are they going to have to go back and watch the first 26 to understand what's happening in film 27? I do think that that's why they do try to make every film like so when you watch Doctor Strange 2 when Wanda showed up she said oh I can't remember the name of the town you know Wanda Vision you know mm-hmm. the town I mm-hmm. forgot the town um she did say is this about such whatever the town was that she took over and he said no it's got nothing to do with that and then they just moved on so it was like okay if you've watched Wonder Vision, you get the reference mm-hmm. but if you haven't watched it it didn't change the film like yeah. and um and I think there was a I think you didn't need to watch Wonder Vision to enjoy that movie, or mm-hmm. or, or not enjoy it. As... Well, yeah, because you you would know Scarlet Witch from the films. Yeah. Before that, yeah. I think I think you couldn't go into Doctor Strange two having never watched any of the Marvel movies, but if you'd have skipped Wonder Vision, I think you would have been okay. Like I reckon most people probably just watched the films, but not the TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think some people with Wonder Vision as well, particularly because it was quite a uh, unique show in terms of how it handled its sitcom style at the beginning. I think a few people did drop off. Um, but I actually, I didn't like the sitcom thing in the beginning, but I did like it once it paid off. So mm-hmm. anyway, we've really gone a separate thing here. But, <laughs> but yeah, so CW, just to round this up, I want to see more from all this. I, I think it was clear something was coming. The fact that CW had such a huge cull of shows, yeah. I'm interested to see what is happening and yeah. I, I, I can imagine what will happen is that HBO Max will become more the home for of DC of, stuff. Of, yeah, of DC stuff. Like, yeah. So I wonder if eventually... So I'm assuming that Netflix has probably bought some sort of license from Warner Brothers. Maybe they've got The Flash for a period of time, a bit like Netflix still had all the Defenders TV shows for a few years. Well, but I they wonder... license it overseas only because that content, if people want to watch it here in the States, they have to watch it, rewatch it on the CW app. Yeah, no, what, no, what I mean is if the CW is completely sold off in the end, I wonder if Warner Brothers will say have sold off a license or something for a period of time and then eventually you'll see all the flash and everything on HBO Max. I mean, it'll fin- it's going to finish, but what I mean is all the repeats or something like that because obviously that's Warner Brothers, the flashes. So I wonder next <clears> time <throat> I'll probably just 
next I'll probably just own the other things like Vampire Diaries and uh, One Tree Hill and all that old stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so that's probably the CW's own content. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I think if the CW had actually put some effort into things, it seems like the past like 10 years of CW TV shows outside of the Arrowverse, like the first few seasons of the Arrowverse shows were all pretty good. But then after that, everything just kind of went. Yeah. Um, but like they kept making stuff that didn't need to be remade. We absolutely positively did not need 15 seasons of Supernatural. There was no oh, freaking no. reason for 15 seasons of Supernatural. Like, Have you seen the trailer for the Winchesters? No. <laughs> It is um oh you know I'm terrible <laughs> name terrible names what's the guy called oh Jensen Ackles yeah yeah he he does the voiceover for most of the trailer yeah. how he's like on the search to find the truth about his parents or whatever and I was like oh Jensen honestly like just get another job like, <laughs> like just let it go yeah like, no. CW must have been paying him a lot of money I wonder how much of that 100 million losses went towards the supernatural honestly but yeah no I I think I think the CW really just became way too reliant on superhero shows because the Flash mm-hmm. and Arrow was so good like and they were so popular they were like right what else can we put out and yeah. I think that is the trouble though it went from having um uh what do you call it over um you know too much over over good quality mm-hmm. so. yeah but also berlanti left like berlanti left, like he basically birthed this universe right stayed mm. for a couple of years and then he left and moved on to different projects so when berlanti left it was kind of like yeah you can you can really kind of see where the drop-off happens and like he he cared about his characters and that's why the first few seasons of all of those shows are really good because the the character building is so great and then after that it's just like let's throw this guy in let's throw that guy in and it's just Uh like what are we doing like none of this makes sense anymore you're not keeping anyone's attention and and just like renewing stuff that didn't need to be renewed like Uh i just the cw brought this on themselves is basically kind of what it boils down to like you guys were just a mismanaged company Mm-hmm. Right, we'll stop about the CW and uh, we'll come back to it as and when. Uh, gonna ask Cookie a couple questions. And um, yeah, so Cookie, obviously, from Just a Little Podcast, he came on our Halloween episode. There's a couple other people on there. Um, Nick and Verno were on there. Yeah, we so did we all get... three of the Fear Streets on that one. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't get a chance to ask Cookie any like sort of personal details, like his bank details, his mother's maiden name, uh, <laughs> yeah. what's, the na- what's the name of his first animal, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> like favorite school, like yeah. all of those important security questions. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie, if you can just let us know that. Yeah, go ahead and put questions. that in the chat for us. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, anyway, serious question though. <laughs> I want to know what your secret origin is. How did you find comics and your love of pop culture? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, comics for me, I, I was a really uh, troubled kid when it came to reading. So I sucked at reading. Um, it was so difficult for me to kind of really grasp how to read. Uh, phonics was tough. Um, here in the States, we have a thing called Hooked on Phonics, which uh, I tried to go and use as a kid to read. And it was, it was working but it just wasn't getting to me as best as possible. So my parents ended up saying, why not try comics? So I ended up getting a comic book and I looked through it and I just got gravitated towards it. It was a Batman comic book. The pictures came to life to me and I used those pictures to kind of correlate with the words and it helped me to read a lot better. And then I just started to dive more and more into comics and I came to be a giant nerd as I am today. Um, When it comes to pop culture, my dad actually used to watch Star Trek a lot. And I think Star Trek was a big thing that I got into as a kid. And then Star Wars was my, my shining hope of light when it came to pop culture. 
and I dove headfirst into Star Wars. I, I absolutely love and adore Star Wars, including the sequels. I know a lot of people are very um, up in the air about it, but I love all Star Wars. So I, I'm not I'm not discriminating against anything when it comes to that. So pop culture for me has been since I was a kid. Comics has been since I was a kid. In high school, I fell off of comics because no kid reads comics in high school and has a girlfriend. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> that aside. That was me. I used to read comics in school and I didn't have a girlfriend. So, uh, so I was, was like, like... <laughs> Cookie, me and you would have been friends, clearly. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was only aside, when... man. It was just, it was hilarious. I was like, yeah. only, I think, I think it was only when I discovered alcohol. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> alcohol um, comics. Exactly. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> And then I eventually discovered comics again. It went full circle. So. Uh, anyway, so we know you live in Florida, fairly close to um, Disney. And yeah. uh, just, but I just wanted to know sort of what's it, what's the comic book community like in Florida? Where I live, I have like three shops around me. I, I try not to bash anybody. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't go. No, to don't, them. No, don't bash. They, they, they aren't the best comic book shops in my opinion. So they're very beautiful. They're amazing comic book shops, but. They, they don't work with the people a lot. Uh, the prices are super high, so they're not made to sell. Like, I will try to get a back issue comic book, just a filler book, and it's like 30 bucks. And I can go down the street an hour away, and I can get the same book for five bucks. And it's like, really? You guys are going to have it for 30 versus the shops having it for five? So stuff like that I don't really appreciate. I try not to support them too much. I do support the shops that are good to me. Um, so one of them, actually, I follow on Instagram, Take the Time Collectibles. He has his own shop and I go and hang out with him when I go down there. Um, so as far as comic book shops, there's, there's quite a bit there where I am. There's probably about three. If you go further south down to Miami, it's like almost on every other corner street. It's, it's crazy. Um, when you go up to Orlando, you're probably looking at 12 in the Orlando area. There's a lot of comic shops, Tampa, the same thing. So we do have a wide range of different pop culture areas. So it's nice. That's cool. Yeah. So do you, because um, I know you go to some of the conventions as well. Do you like, do you often go every year or? I do. So we have the two biggest ones are Megacon, which yeah. is in Orlando and then Supercon, which is in Miami. So I do go to both of them. Megacon is an absolute blast. It's around, I think 2019 had over a hundred thousand people attend. So it's That's a lot of wow. people. It is massive. It is <laughs> insane. It's scary too, especially with COVID going on and in Florida, we don't believe, at least a lot of people don't believe that COVID exists. So yes, they just... we know your, your <laughs> governor is just as bad as mine. <laughs> so you walk around perfectly fine, no mask, no nothing. It's just, it's craziness. Um, so at Supercon going and attending that it's, it's definitely scary. Um, or Supercon's going to happen this weekend. I think, yeah, Supercon's happening this weekend. So it's going to be a little scary, a little intimidating. Uh, Megacon was massive, and that was like bumper-to-bumper traffic. You couldn't move without hitting somebody. It was insane. So it's going to be scary, but it's going to be good. I saw at your last one, you ran into quite a few people. Um, uh, like other, I saw you run into other podcasters and YouTubers and stuff like that. You, yeah. Is that, is that sort of a range, or you just see people when you're walking around? Um, that one, because I've been so involved with like Instagram comic books and stuff of that nature, I've, I've kind of grown to meet a lot of people in the community yeah. and they'll go and say like, Hey, like we, I've been in a couple of groups where they're all saying, Hey, I'm going to be going, I'm not going to go. And it's like, awesome. And then you just, some of them you just run into, which is amazing. Just being able to go and like, you're digging for comics and you look over and you're like, Oh, I know that guy. And then they look over and they're like, I know you too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome to do that and you just go comic book hunting with people um 
and then when you get like bigger names like Tom Tom, um, comics with Bueller, uh, I've, yeah. I've hung out with them. As far as Bueller, I've hung out with him in the past when he came down here. So it was really good to go and see him again. And it's almost like you're hanging out with comic book celebrities in a sense. <laughs> so that's a cool, cool concept. But there's a did lot you, of. Did you get Did you get imbued as them? Um, no, I did not. I did not. I passed by it, but I hung yeah. out with him, uh, when he went live on his, um, whatnot at sale. So yeah. I hung out with him before I've had a drink with him before I've had coffee with him. He's an awesome dude. Um, yeah, I've never, I've, I've never actually spoken to Bueller, but I have, uh, watched his YouTube channel and I, I actually listened to the episode where you interviewed Bueller. And obviously I've seen him on Robbie's channel a few times, but I've heard him talk about this van for about a year and he's driving around America trying to visit every comic book shop in America. And um, yeah, it just sounds like an amazing uh, idea. So it's pretty cool that you, I love the idea of it though. You go into a convention and seeing like Comic Tom and Bueller and stuff like that. So um, just a couple of questions about the podcast. So how, how did Just a Little Podcast get started? Um, so I had a co-host originally, my friend Mark. Um, we went to high school, we went to middle school together, and we just, we've been good friends. And ever since, I, I know that he loves comics, he knew that I love comics, I, I knew it a little bit more than him. And one day we were just hanging out, and he's like, dude, we should do a podcast. Like, we're always talking, we should do a podcast. I'm like, I've actually wanted to do one. So we just, we set it up, and it was, I think, like, the entire summer, we probably recorded, like, four episodes, and we listened to him, we're like, God, this is awful. We're not doing a podcast. <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> And then came August, we tried it again. We're like, let's just do it. Let's, let's pull the bandaid off. Let's try it again. And it was god awful. But of course, every podcast doesn't start off perfect. We oh, just yeah. Kept yeah. Please on. don't ever go back and listen to our first few episodes. <laughs> I think like our, our first 25, I would say don't listen to. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's always bad. But we just kept pushing through. And I listened to a guy named Kevin Smith, who is a uh, comic book enthusiast as well. He's a director, producer done a lot of different things and he has a couple podcasts where he was saying like hey if you have a voice share it with other people maybe there's other people out there that might be interested in the same things you are and I never really thought of that and I was like you know let me just try it out and that's when we pull the trigger I want to say I can't remember now maybe 2018 or 2017 in August is when we pull the trigger um, and then he ended up having a couple of kids so then life happened for him and I just ended up taking on the reins of the podcast we still talk on like a weekly basis but the podcast is my baby now so it's been fun do you think he'll ever come back um he's come back once i think for an episode but his his schedule is so hectic with yeah. his job and raising a little 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 baby like just born baby and then his his son as well is a handful because he's an energetic ball of energy and it's it's <laughs> wonderful he's he's a gamer as well he's such a wonderful kid they both are wonderful kids so um i don't know if he would come back to be honest maybe as like a cameo appearance but as far as continue on i don't think so yeah okay um and since doing the podcast and on youtube have you have you learned anything about yourself or just in general yeah i learned that i have a lisp that i didn't know i had <laughs> okay. like I, I never used to listen when we first started the the show and it was just me and ham we didn't edit anything we literally just recorded after we're done recording we hit save and that was a podcast there was nothing else to it yeah. And now that I'm involved with it and I'm doing a lot more editing, I'm like, holy God, my list is horrible. <laughs> I'm like, where did this come from? And it's like, I, I try to like talk particularly so I don't have a list and it makes it worse. So I'm like, screw it. There's, there's no point of going around it. <laughs> but other than that, I would say like pop culture is so massive and there's yeah, so many oh, different yeah. things you can get involved in. And 
I, I kind of changed what my podcast was about, more of me exploring different things in pop culture. What do I like? What do I not like? And showcasing those things to other people. Because it's mm-hmm. so hard to figure out, okay, I like comics, but do I like anime? Do I like these movies? What's going on in pop culture? What's happening with the world as a whole? And it's it's tough to keep a track of everything that's going on. So, One of the things I like about yours, I listen to yours when it comes out, is because it, it's quite, um, yours is like more like an overall news type show. Mm-hmm. And you cover a lot of things that I be honest i would probably have to go through google and wouldn't even know so you cover a lot of like gaming news and mm-hmm. i wouldn't even know where to start so whilst i don't game as heavily as some people do like i probably pick up my playstation once a week i thought it's quite interesting sometimes to hear information that you put out so i i i actually listen to every episode you put out so thank you i appreciate uh, it no no worries um and um just just two more questions then we'll go and talk about harry potter so do you so far the year is did you guys hear that no oh okay some spitfires just went over me um do you know what spitfires are have to be airplanes if they're going over you (laughs) they're they're, they're what sorry i said they have to be airplanes if they're going over you they are airplanes yeah look them up (laughs) spitfires are like um sort of um they're kind of like for show airplanes. They, okay. they, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, obviously the year is long, Cookie. We're in July. Have you got anything that's so far stuck out for you? TV, movies, or comic books? Just just in brief, anything like oh, wow. top, 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 top reads. First thing that comes to your mind. Or top, top read. Um, or, or top something you've seen. Something you uh, want to shout out. World's Finest. So DC, I'm trying to get more into DC comics. So World's Finest is a Batman and Superman telling of them kind of doing their storyline. And it's been it's been a good ride. I've been enjoying that quite a bit. They had the first issue came out with a book that stuck with me. And I just loved it. I was like, I have to have this cover. It is, I'm sure you probably guys have seen it. The meme where Batman is slapping Superman or vice versa. Super oh, Superman yeah, slapping yeah. Batman. Yeah. So they did that. And um, it was a wonderful cover. I was like, I have to have this. And I picked it up. And I was like, I can't read this because I don't want to touch this comic book. So I had to yeah. buy a third comic book. <laughs> I want to see it. My wife's not here. <laughs> um, but I picked it up and read it and it was enjoyable. And I was like, oh, this is a really good source. I've been reading that quite a bit. I've been liking that a lot. Um, Star Wars has been a great, great, great ride for me. And I would probably say the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I won't get into spoilers, but there is a lot of mixed controversy on there. And I could just, Star Wars is like, like cereal. Everybody theoretically loves cereal, but you might not like Raisin Bran. You might not like Fruit of the Loops. And that's fine. If you don't like certain brands, that's cool. Not every cereal is going to be made for you, but enjoy the cereal that you have. And if you like it, cool. Keep with it. If you don't like it, move on to another thing. And I think that's what Star Wars is about. It's it's generational and it might not all be for everybody. And for me, Obi-Wan Kenobi was up my alley and I loved every bit of it. I cried my eyes out. I, I cheered. I was happy. Everything was going on. I was excited for it. So favorite thing that came out i'd probably say would be that would be the obi-wan kenobi series i'm only halfway through that at the minute it's i'm gonna try and finish it off this week but i love yeah. the star wars is like cereal analogy that was <laughs> i'm gonna use that <laughs> thank you for that cookie no problem <laughs> i know for a minute i had to get my mind around that i was like fruit loops i was like oh yeah yeah so, yeah. No, because no, we don't have fruit loops over here. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, last question. And then I think, and then, and Jasmine, are you going to do the trivia? Yep. Right. 
Okay, so last question actually fits nicely in. So, uh, Cookie, you obviously wanted to come on here because of your love of Harry Potter. I'd love to know more about this love of Harry Potter. <laughs> how, how did it? How did it start? What? What? You know, I know you said. Well, you tell everybody where you went the other week. No problem. Um, I'll start off with I guess where I went. So the other week I ended up going and watching a live Harry Potter with a live orchestra. So it's this massive nice. theater, three different levels. And there's an orchestra playing every single uh, score for you right then mm-hmm. and there. And it was a totally different experience. Like I've watched Harry Potter when it came out on day one. I was at the theater waiting in line back in the day when you used to wait in line to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, it's a good time. And uh, you walk in there and the, the conductor's like, hey, I want to let you guys know this is not your ordinary watching of Harry Potter. I want you guys to cheer. I want you guys to clap for your favorite movies, parts, your favorite score parts. When a character comes on that you're happy about and that's exactly what happened. People clapped for certain people that came on. When you had other characters that didn't like, they booed them. When you had the film school, like everything was just so magical and the energy around you, because you're surrounded by people who are Harry Potter fans, you're like, wow, this is my family. <laughs> <laughs> These are my, my people. Family. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was such a great, great experience to do that. And when it comes to Harry Potter, um, as a kid, my mom was, my mom still is um, very religious. So she's like, no, Harry Potter is demonic, this, that. And I'm like, you know what? Because of you, mom, I'm going to go and watch them. And I read them <laughs> as a kid. So I ended up watching them and I fell in love with them. It was just, I, I didn't see myself as Harry Potter, but I did see myself as him because it was like a kid who got picked on. He wore glasses. He didn't fit in very well. Granted, I didn't live underneath the stair cupboard because no no kid does that in the United States. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that type of aspect was just something that I really gravitated towards. And I've always loved magic. I've loved the possibility of um, your wildest dreams coming true through your imagination. And that was something that I, I really, really enjoyed and dug with. And as I got into being an adult, I was like, you know what? I don't live at home anymore. I can read these comic books. I can read everything that I want to read. Why can't I go and read these books? And sure yeah. enough, I ended up picking up the books. I read them. I did the audio books as well. And I just, I've been in love with everything Harry Potter. And I don't necessarily just read the Harry Potter, like normal books. I actually go beyond that. I've read all the other books that are kind of, I guess, subplots or tie into different things. Fantastical mm-hmm. Beasts, Beetle and the Bard, um, Quidditch Through the Ages, uh, Harry Potter, A History, like all these different things I've read. And I, I love it. I'm so fascinated with it. I even got a Harry Potter tattoo. I cannot show you because I have pants on, but if I didn't have <laughs> pants, I would show you. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Is this like PG rated tattoo? That it is. It is. Okay. It's, on, it's on my thigh and it is <laughs> the Deathly Hallow symbol, which I'm sure you guys will get into as yeah. we get to that movie, but the Deathly Hallow symbol with nine and three quarters above it. Nice. So it's kind of like imprinted on there. Yeah. It's a really cool concept. I, I love it. And I kind of got it because of the meaning behind the Deathly Hallows story. And then also nine and three quarters. Um, uh, it's kind of funny, but I was born the same day that Harry Potter was born, July 31st. Oh, wow. I, he's nine years older than me. And at the time I was 25. So I lived a quarter of a century. So everything kind of fit with the nine being nine years difference. The Deathly Hallows, because I enjoyed it, and it's Harry Potter. Um, and then the three fourths being that I've already lived a quarter of a century. Yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah. Okay, so like, uh, if you're that big of a fan, then I know you have taken the the sorting quiz. So which house absolutely. would you be sorted into? I was Gryffindor. I, I I wanted to make sure, so I did it like six times, and every single time I came back as Gryffindor. Oh my gosh! How about you, Mark? I haven't done it. What? Oh, you're missing out on life, buddy. 
I am 100% Slytherin. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Send me the quiz. I'll do it. I'll give it a go. I've never done the quiz. Maybe that's something I'll I'll tell you what. Probably be a Hufflepuff. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I can see that. Thanks. I'll send me the quiz, and by next episode, I'll let you all know what I am. All right. Uh, anyway, Jasmine, take it away. All right. So trivia, you guys, I get to play quiz master. I'm super excited. So all of these questions are just about this film. Okay. They are very specific, but they're, I think they're pretty easy. Uh, we'll see. I'm going to start you off with a really, really easy one. Uh, where does Dumbledore's army train? Oh, in that secret room. What's yes. it called? Oh. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, God, right. you're terrible. Come on. Oh, I know. Oh, crap. You want me to do it? Help him out, Cookie. Oh, go on, then. The Room of Requirement. Yes, the Room of Requirement is well, where I know, ne- I know Neville found it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's this whole training montage in the Room of Requirement where Harry is trying to teach everybody how to, how to call their Patronus. So, whose Patronus is an otter. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, go on. <laughs> it's Hermione's. Yes, it is Hermione. All right, how about the rabbit Patronus? No, I can't remember. I can't believe okay. I've forgotten this already. I think I know this one too. Luna Lovegood. Yes, that is correct. Oh. Luna Lovegood. All right, last one. Who has the dog Patronus? It's Ron. Yes, it is. It's like a, it's not the same kind of like big dog, like uh, what Sirius's Patronus was, but it's, it's a dog all the same. I remember right. it tripping somebody. I can't remember who yeah. it was, but Neville. Neville. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course it's Neville. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So when Harry gets in trouble for mouthing off to Professor Umbridge, she says he's going to write lines. What line ends up getting carved into Harry's hand. Mark? Oh, oh I must not tell lies. Yes, there that is go. correct. Finally, yeah. Mark's on the board. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't doing very well. <laughs> All right, so this one was uh, later in the film. It's a flashback sequence. But James Potter was kind yeah. of like a bully to Severus Snape. He gives Snape a nickname what is that nickname that James Oof. calls Snape when they are in school oh, together? Crap. That one, I don't think I know. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I, <laughs> no cheating, Mark. No, no, I wasn't cheating. I just saw my bottle opener. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I don't remember. Snibbleus. Oh. Instead of Severus, he calls him Snibbleus. Snibbleus Snape. Uh, all right. Who is Grop? Who? Grop. <laughs> Groppy. Who's Groppy? Oh, the is that the little thingy? Uh, no. Dobby, the no. opposite direction. Oh, he is not oh. little at all. Oh, I can't remember. Haggard's brother, yes, half oh. brother, his half brother, yes. All right, now we're gonna get silly. Well, actually, no, since we're talking about uh, uh, elves, what is the name of the black family elf? Oh, it's in my, I can see it too. Hold on. Give me a second on this one. I can see it happening. Creature. Yes. Creature. Oh, it took me forever. I'm sorry. Yes. That, that crotchety old elf. Yes. His name is Creature. All right. What animal 
actually pulls the carriages that not everyone can see. Oh. I can see this one too in my head. Oh, no, I can see it as well. Oh, because Luna. Yeah, Luna explains it to Harry what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't remember though, but I do remember the whole scene. Yeah. So basically, (sighs) up until this point, this is the fifth film, but up until this point, whenever the kids get off the train, they go on carriages that pull themselves. Well, it turns out the carriages don't pull themselves, they are pulled by Thestrals. That's it. And Thestrals can only be seen by people who have seen death which is why most of the kids at Hogwarts think that these carriages pull themselves. All right. So speaking of creatures that no one knows, what creatures keep taking all of Luna's possessions? I know this one. Um, Nargles. Nargles, but nobody knows what the hell a Nargle is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last two. Silly questions. Give me Umbridge's middle name. Oh, it's it's not her first name is Dolores. Yes. Yeah. Dolores M. Unbridge. Wrong. Not M. Okay. No. Ooh. I don't know it. That's Jane. disappointing. Ah. Oh, okay. Dolores Jane Umbridge. All right. So this one, you got three chances. Dumbledore has a very, very long name. Give me <laughs> one of his middle names. He has three middle names. Steve. <laughs> Not Steve. <laughs> John? No. You're, I mean, you're close. You are close. You are you're close. Very close. Roger? Uh, no. I mean, keep going. You're, I mean, maybe you'll get there. Jonathan? No. It's very common, though. You're close. Barry? Oh, you're, you're very, very close to Barry. Very close to Barry. Oh, follow me. <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know. Brian. Oh, really? Yes. Brian. Oh. His name is Dumbledore Brian. No, oh. so his, his full name is Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Yeah, sorry. Which oh, he introduces himself with his full name at Harry's trial oh. in the beginning of this film. Oh, I forgot. And he makes a very dramatic pause before he says Brian also. Oh. Um, anyway, so yeah, Brian. There you go. So, Mark, you, you, got go. a lot of, you got a lot of work to do, man. You didn't know, do well on this at all. I know, I know. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> I, don't, I, I never confess to be the Harry Potter expert. Um, <laughs> I, I know I enjoy the films. Like, I've never read the books, but I should one day. I might have to stop reading these things behind me. <laughs> and, uh, concentrate on uh, books for a while. I, can't, I don't get much time to read as it is. You're not a bad person. Besides, the world isn't split into good people and death eaters. We've all got both light and dark inside us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix is directed by David Yates, who is new. Um, He's new, but he stays with it till the end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, screenplay Steve Cloves, based on Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix by J.K. Rowling. And it stars, again, all of the same people, some new faces that we have this time. Um, Not too many new faces. We've got uh, Natalia Tenna. She is Nymphadora, but please don't call her Nymphadora. She prefers to go by Tonks. Um, And actually, you don't, I don't see some of the new names. Oh, there we go. Um, Katie Leung. 
as Cho. Poor Cho. She really got like the crap end of the stick in this one. Oh, yeah. That was very unfair what happened to Cho. Uh, Amelda Staunton is who plays Dolores Umbridge, which my opinion, she didn't. She didn't get her due um, in, in this film, but you know, eventually we still got two, three yeah. more films, technically. Yeah. Um, and then we have George Harris who plays Shacklebolt. So lots of new faces. Yeah. Uh, budget was, I couldn't find the exact amount, but it said somewhere between 150 to 200 million. Previous budget was 150 million US dollars. Uh, worldwide box office, it made slightly more than last time. So it made 942.2 million and previously made 196 million. So there's not much difference. Budget. And... Yeah, this one was closest to the first film because the first mm-hmm. film made over a billion and this one was the next film to come close to that. Um, Cookie, normally at this point, me and Jasmine do a summary of the movie, but as you're here and you know far more than either of us, do you want to give us a brief summary of the movie? Um, sure. Uh, we have the, the trio right now where we have Harry Potter, who's trying to figure out things of life. And he's, of course, going to be going back to Hogwarts. But as he does go back to Hogwarts, he ends up kind of figuring out there's a certain thing that's happening right now with uh, he who must not be named is coming back more and more. And he's trying to prepare everybody for what's happening and people are discouraged by the fact that he's coming back and they don't want to believe in that. So there is a thing called the order of the Phoenix that gets involved and they kind of reassemble to, I guess, to prepare for battle against uh, he who must not be named in his army when they do return at full, full fledge. And it's like him trying to discover, I guess this little, a little bit past puberty, but now he's trying to discover that, Hey, I'm a man. I want to be a part of this. I don't want to just be on the sidelines. I want to be involved. And he's trying to go and equip people at school to do the same. Right. Yep, that's, that's, that's probably a better summary than I would have given. So. <laughs> Hopefully I did good. <laughs> uh, mine's a little bit more jokey. Jasmine's is a bit more serious. Um, anyway, so just initial, just overall thoughts on the movie. Just um, start with you, Cookie, actually. What are your thoughts on film number five? I love this film. I think that um, as a kid, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now as an adult because I can enjoy films for what they are and how much work it takes to be an actor. And mm. all these actors are, actors have great beats. Like whether you're a villain or anti-hero or a hero, you have these roles to play and they play them and they execute them, I think, very well in this movie. Um, it does not get anywhere near the books. It's definitely a big venture from the books, but it is enjoyable to say the least. And I, I really enjoy this film. It becomes one of my favorite films from time to time. It's either this one or the third film, which is The Prisoner of Azkaban, or just a toss-up between the two. Yeah, Jasmine loves The Prisoner of Azkaban. Yep. Um, anyway, well, Jasmine, what about your overall thoughts on this movie? Um, I think this one is probably my second favorite just like cookie behind prisoner of Azkaban. um this film is the film to me that really pushes everything into that point of no return like this is the film where it's like okay shit gets real like we we are at the point now where we are putting together secret sites secret societies we are organizing ourselves because we don't have the adults to do it for us hmm. um we actually get more on-screen deaths in in this one um and i really think it just kind of it it got serious before like you know cedric died in the previous film 
but it was hard to be attached to Cedric Diggory because like he was just some other kid that Harry was competing against in the Triwizard Tournament. But to lose Sirius in this film um, and to know that that's going to have a really big impact on Harry, uh, it, it just feels like there's so much more to be emotionally invested in with this film. So it's really easy to get sucked in. Also, the opening sequence in this film with Harry and Dudley is probably my favorite opening sequence of the entire Harry Potter series. I just, I love the cold open. I love how we get all of these different shots of London and like muggles and mixing the magic with the muggles. I really, really loved the the cinematography of it. The overhead shot when they're running away, the, the way that the Dementors come through that long tunnel, just like the the artistry behind the opening sequence is is really kind of impressive to me but also like I, it it goes to set the tone for the rest of the film like when when mad eye comes to pick up harry and then we get a whole another sequence where they're on their brooms and they're flying through london and we fly by parliament and you know we're like flying over the thames like i just thought it was so cool how they integrated the actual city of london into this one so much more than they have before yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie as well. I think from sort of film three onwards, film one and two are okay. Like I like I like one. I didn't I don't love two so much, but three onwards they, I think because they start to become darker, more adult. I mean, I know the kids obviously are still kids, but I think we both agreed, me and Jasmine last week, that um, the fourth one was definitely carried by the adults of the movie. This one I would say was actually a lot more evenly split. Yeah, uh, and then again that comes to obviously. Um, the children are growing up now their acting mm-hmm. skills are developing um we haven't got so much harry with his fake crying in the woods and and stuff <laughs> like that like uh it's just unfortunately he wasn't you know he's only getting better isn't he so uh daniel radcliffe's obviously i'm sure his acting experience now compared to back then is even stronger mm-hmm. so obviously the unlike most people most actors and actresses you don't get to see them growing up throughout a franchise like because these films came out almost yearly um but anyway so this film yeah i i love there's a lot about it i love i love like that cold open actually really threw me off with um what's his name uh dudley picking on him i actually yeah. was kind of shocked because we hadn't seen dudley in the last movie right because actually... there were no dursleys in the last one right so it kind yeah. of took me back a second i was like is that dudley i was like really took me back because it was obviously a huge jump from you know, he's obviously grown up a lot because he's skipped a film yeah. and he was a lot, he's much bigger. Like, and I was a bit like, I had to quickly look it up. And then, as, no, I went, as, before, as I went to look it up, Harry then called him Dudley. I was like, oh, is it? I've really took <laughs> It's been a while since I've watched these films, so it kind of threw me off. But yeah, I know I love the cinematography, I love the creepiness and, mm-hmm. and just how how it's directed and I love the visuals of it and everything just yeah that tunnel scene. I knew what was coming with the Dementors, but I was like, man, I would not want to be in that tunnel. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of tunnels like that in London. You wouldn't want to be at that time of night anyway. So without adding in Dementors. Um, but no, I love the whole cinematography style of it. But I love the whole concept, actually. It makes it it's quite well thought out that um, Harry starts to kind of build his own army. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously uh, he who shall not be named is building his own army. And it's great to see the beginnings of it. So this, again, is like uh, a bridging film to get us towards that final movie but it's a good bridging film because it's got its own storyline as well so yeah. and it also um, but, like to that point it definitely shows the parallels between harry and voldemort mm, like yes 
they are literally on parallel tracks. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, well, it's good versus evil, isn't it? It's the yeah. t- Taylor's oldest time, isn't it? Right. So, they're they're two sides of the same coin. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And also that you find out that they are linked as well in this movie. Oh yeah. Now that was because I didn't finish the books before the films came out. Like that was that was one of the connections that really shocked me. But you know, that's if in the seventh book, um, the Horcruxes and all that stuff. But yeah, that one was surprising to me because like I didn't quite catch it before. Like mm-hmm. you knew that there was some kind of connection because that's you know he could see through Voldemort's eyes. But like the the way that they actually like make that an actual connection at the very end, I was like, damn. Damn, that's good. <laughs> um, so, Cookie, we normally go around the room here and sort of talk about who our favourite character is. Do you have a favourite character from this movie? Um, I'd probably say Sirius Black, I think, is uh, my favourite character. And I, the reason being is he's trying so much to make up for lost time that he's willing to, um, in the last film, go into fire, like be a, a wood log and showcases like his love and affection for Harry to check up on him. And here, when we see him in Grimmauld Place and you see Harry looking back at um, his uncle or his godfather, I'm sorry, his godfather, and he looks back at him and you just see this like genuine smile. Like that's, he, he literally almost says out loud, that's my son by that simple smile. Like that's my son, that's my boy. And I, I cannot wait to live with him and show him all the love that he's missed out on. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful display by Gary Oldman. He's just a, a hell of an actor. Mm-hmm. And in this film, you, you can't help but love his character and adore who he is to Harry and how much of an impact that he's had on his life for two years, maybe, I think now at this point. Mm-hmm. And it, it's crazy that when you see him die, it, it tears apart Harry. And that's like another giant wound into Harry's life that's just mm-hmm. now missing. And it, the, the other films that proceed after this definitely are affected because of this moment here. I, I definitely agree, Gary. I love Gary Oldman, especially mm. in The Fifth Element. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> epic, <laughs> epic. Yes. The fifth, fifth Element's probably his best role, uh, other, other than this, obviously. <laughs> I mean, he's fantastic at The Fifth Element, but, like, I got to give it to the professional. Like, if we're going to go. Professional, yes. Oh, man, professional. That's great. Which you guys call it Leon. Oh, I was yes. about to say the professional. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Leon, yeah. Uh, I was like, what is the professional? Yeah, Leon. <laughs> I know what Leon is. Man, I haven't watched that film for a long time. It holds uh, yeah. up. It still holds up. Yeah. It's also one of Natalie Portman's best. Yeah. So she's, yeah. Anyway. All right. Favorite uh, character, Jasmine? Oh, my girl, Luna Lovegood. I love that she is so quirky and so weird, but she is yeah. so like, okay with herself that she yeah. doesn't even flinch when other people make fun of her to her face like it's it's like a non-starter for her i just mm-hmm. i love how she just goes about everything like when she's explaining to harry when she's feeding the thestrals and she's like yeah people can only see these things when they've seen death and she's like yeah my mom died when i was nine she was like this crazy witch she liked to experiment with all kinds of shit and then like the experiment went wrong and she died so you know <laughs> but i still have my dad so it's all good and you're just like what is wrong with this girl? Like she's literally just sitting here talking about how she saw her mom die from experimenting with spells. And she's like, eh, but I still have one parent. So it's all good. Um, I do love how she has one tone of voice. Like. Yes. Yes. Oh, I just, I love the nonchalance of Luna Lovegood, but she's also smart and she cares. And like, 
she's willing to put skin in the game and um it, that you know it comes into play later on as well but like as far as for an introduction she i think she gets one of the best introductions of all of like the secondary characters that we meet throughout this entire series so i just i really really love luna in fact when i went to see the seventh film the first of the seven um i cosplayed as luna lovegood at the theater so awesome. <laughs> i love luna lovegood that's played awesome. by ivana lynch by the way so I think my my favorite character from this movie, to be honest, is Dumbledore. Brian. Um, Brian. <laughs> it's Brian. It's Brian. It's Brian from, from his movies. Uh, I. Do you know what? Dumbledore kicks ass. Like. Yeah. He. I love that he loves Harry, and also I thought it was really cool that he had that. Um, uh, I don't know her name. The elderly lady sort of watching over. Um, oh. Uh, Mrs. Finch. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Like when she showed up and obviously said, you know, about magic, whatever, uh, keep your wand out. But actually, Dumbledore had already set that up in motion because he obviously was thinking about he should not shall not be named. And mm-hmm. but I just love how like Dumbledore when um, uh, Dolores was kicking out. Uh, oh, Trelawney. Yeah, yeah, and um, and sorry, my mic just came unplugged. Then uh, anyway, so he just steps out and was like, he knows the rules. So he was like, well, yeah, okay. You can expel my teachers, but you can't kick them off the ground. That's still my, um, but he's just like voice, like booming voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just comes across with such like authority, but like kind of like firm, but fair. And uh, I just love how, and immediately like when Harry Potter's army gets uncovered, he takes the blame for it. And um yeah, I just think he's just a real sort of parental father figure, not just to Harry, but like all the children. He yeah. is definitely like, these are my children. You know, I'm going to look after them all. And just, yeah, and, and even the teachers, like this is mm-hmm. this is his world and he's here to protect them all. And I just I just love that. Like, it was great like, throughout this film. He does it in every movie, but it just really stood out to me in this film. Yeah, I really love how he's like, oh, wait, you think that I'm going to go quietly? Bitch, please. Yeah. No, hell yeah, no. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, y'all can yeah. take my headmastership away, but like, I'm not going to ask him in. Yeah, no, and I he, love that scene. You love, have I to admit, too, he does have style. Yeah. He, he does have some style. <laughs> in, in the books, it's a little bit different in that scene. Um, he actually pauses time or slows down time dramatically, and he's able to talk to everybody. He lets them know, like, hey, I'm going to hit you. So you're going to have to fall and pretend like you had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. Harry, and he explains to Harry a lot of what's happened. He's like, I'm going to go away, but I'll be back type of thing. Yeah. And it's oh, just so cool. cool. Yeah. It's a really, really cool moment in the book that I enjoyed having. I was like, I hope that it would happen in the <clears> movie, <throat> but it didn't take place. So, yeah. No, I do love that scene. He's like, oh, you thought I was going to go quietly. Yeah. It's a bit like, it's like, bitch, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dumbledore has some sass. He's like, you got me fucked up if you think I'm about to just let you take me to ask, man. Like, that ain't happening. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. No, he's good. I love I love, I love, love him in this movie. I mean, yeah. He's good in all movies, but good in all of the movies. It's, I, I really, it, I think this film is the one where you really appreciate Michael Gambon as mm. Dumbledore. Like, when you're like, this was an excellent casting choice. Like, yes. Mm. playing having someone that was much younger than richard harris actually play this role like you have you now you have the opportunity to play it like a sassier younger snappier kind of wizard even though he's supposed to be you know really old but man this this one was the one where it was like yep this is this is this is my dumbledore now mm. by the yeah. way jasmine you said that you cosplayed as luna lovegood 
Yeah. When that last movie came out, um, I got lucky because I went down the midnight premiere and there was a news crew that came in and everybody's like all dressed up and the news crew's like, hey guys, on the count of three, I want you guys to all yell Harry Potter. And I was so excited for this movie that it was like one, two, and I stood up on two and I yelled Harry Potter. No one else yelled Harry Potter. I'm like, Harry Potter! <laughs> and then it's just dead silence. And I look around, I'm like, oh crap, I went Oops. on two. I didn't go on three. So I'm the only one yelling Harry Potter on the news and everybody else is silent around me. Oh, no. Find us that news clip, please. I've looked so hard for it. So hard for it. Oh my God. That is awesome. It was great. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, <laughs> So, Cookie, yes, in sir. every one of these films, there are magical <clears throat> artifacts or items. Is mm-hmm. there anything that you love from this movie? Um, I do love the prophecy or the, the foretelling of all these prophecies in this room. Um, but I would say the Room of Requirement is probably my favorite piece of magical moment. The fact that, yeah, if you needed a bathroom, it will turn into a bathroom for you is such a great concept. But in this fact that they needed a room to train, it was able for them to go and train in. And I love that room. It's such a cool moment. So yeah, probably say the room requirement. What about you, Jessica? Um, I don't really have an item, but like the Thestrals were my favorite magical thing in this film. Um, just because again, we've had four films where we see these same carriages and you never, ever, ever think anything other than magic is making these things move. And then in this film, Harry turns around and is like face to face with this hideous creature. And you're just like, hold up. That thing has been pulling these carriages all this time. And so like yeah. in that moment, you really feel like you are Harry because you are discovering this for the first time, just like he is. Um, but I just love the way that they throw that in this late in the game. So the, the Thestrals are probably my favorite, like magical thing this time around. I, I had something else written down, but it's something that just keeps jumping out of me was, um, probably one of the most obvious is the magic brooms, you know, the flying brooms, just mm-hmm. like only mainly because I love that whole thing at the beginning where Mad-Eye Moody and, um, all of the witches, Harry and, um, <laughs> Oh, what's her name? I've forgotten it now. Don't call her it. Um, yeah, yeah, Tonks, yeah, uh, Nymphadora. I love that whole bit. But anyway, I, I love that they all come out. They're all standing there. They're all standing by the street. And I thought, again, like, I thought, oh, are they going to wait for that bus to come? Yeah, oh, the night fun. bus, yeah. yeah. The night bus. I thought, oh, they're waiting for the night bus. And suddenly they all stick their hands out and the, br- and the brooms come out and they just shoot up into the sky. And I, and I did, you, did you ever see that... Um, Oh crap! I forgot the name of it. That Studio Ghibli movie where um, the the witch goes. Oh, Kiki's from... Delivery Service. Yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service. It made me think of that as well. Like, and I just thought, how cool would brooms be if they were real? <laughs> like, I mean, we wouldn't have to worry about petrol prices or or <laughs> having cars in general. Like, you'd only have cars if you had to like move some luggage. Like, if I just had to nip to town on my broom. Like, that's probably the best thing in this movie is the brooms. Now, I know they have to worry about muggles seeing them, but they clearly didn't give a crap at that particular point. Well, yeah. it, was, and, it was dark, uh, you know, dark. so it's all uh, good. Yeah, they just flew up high above the clouds. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's like, fine. And, uh, but I just thought, like, I would love it if there were brooms. I mean, I know brooms being real are never going to happen. It's not even something <laughs> that somebody can invent. Like, I just thought, I love that particular scene, but I just, even, even in earlier films like Quidditch and stuff like that, but it was on the sort of first scenes where you just see it outside of the school and mm-hmm. it's 
them just sort of just flying off and obviously they're going to go see Sirius and um, all the all the Weasleys and everything um, but I just thought that they're just using it like practically just to go from A to B yeah. I was like how cool is that most people would just be going outside their house jumping in their car getting on their motorbike nope let's get on the brooms yeah. we're, gonna, we're, gonna go, <laughs> we're gonna go and catch up with the Weasleys imagine if you could just do that normally like uh, you know uh, Ron walks out I'm just gonna go see Harry mom okay cool like jumps to the broom <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there he goes. Like, oh, that would be just amazing. Like, anyway, that 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 is my favorite magical item. Like, I know, I know it's in every movie, but it was just that particular scene caught me, and I was like, mm-hmm. I lo- I love that. So, did you guys ever think about when Ron rides on a Thestral, he's riding on nothing? I I wanted someone to make a comment about it, like when okay. that scene happened, and no one did, and I was like, so we're just cool with four of the seven like or five of the seven like i'm riding on an invisible thing and i'm cool yeah. with it like I, that was so a scary. missed opportunity that I'm is so scary. Glad, i'm surposed he's glad it wasn't a spider yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so okay cookie what, what are your thoughts on the structure of the movie do you have and like including in that do you have a favorite scene what are your thoughts on the writing is there anything you would have cut changed and it just a bunch of things there if you think about i i did love the the film um throughout i do think that there are certain things could have been shortened up a little bit um one being when there are in the room with all the prophecies that was really long now that i see it as an adult if they took off i don't know it felt like a 20 minute clip in that moment if they took off 10 minutes they could have used that 10 minutes to go and enhance something else or do something of that nature wherever it might be but i thought that Overall, the structure, the pacing was excellent. I loved it from beginning to end. I do like the intro um, of how everything starts out. Um, I don't really have any gripes besides that point. It's just, it is a little bit longer than I would have wanted, but I love Harry Potter. So I, I will take 10 minutes extra if I can. So I know what you mean. Like I do, like the, yeah. Anyway, go on, Justin. Um, So with the writing, I think this, this film is so much better dialogue wise than the previous film like everything is so much tighter so much snappier i feel like they didn't waste lines in this one every time someone speaks it they're saying something that is pushing everything forward it doesn't feel like this movie has any fluff to me at all like everything serves a purpose and yeah, kind of like the way that we said that the second film is a bridge to the rest of the series. And Mark said it earlier, like this film is a bridge to the back half of the series. It's it's a necessary film. It yeah, we get a major death um, in series, but like it it's not like big major major events happen except for the very very end where finally everybody else sees Voldemort and they're like, oh shit. Harry was telling the truth. Like I wanted to jump through the screen and strangle Cornelius Fudge. Like that son of a bitch. Anyway. um, So I thought the writing was, was really tight in this. And I thought we got a really great look into the pressure that Harry has on him. Like we've always known that he had the pressure because he's the boy who lived, but like to see it this time, to, to have the newspapers calling you a liar, to have your friends, like when Seamus was like, bitch, my mom said you lying, so you lying. And Harry was just like, the fuck, dude? Like, what is? what do you mean? How can you say that to me when we've been friends all this time? So like the, the media is against you, your own friends are turning against you. 
but you still have the wherewithal to know, like, you, if this is going to be a fight, like, you can't do this alone. And even though you don't want to teach these kids how to fight, like, if you don't do it, no one else will. Like, you are literally having to put yourself aside and, like, build up these other kids to be like, yo, look, I, I have seen some shit and I really don't want you guys to have to go through what I went through. But, like, if we don't do something, we are not even going to have a fighting chance. So like him stepping up to the plate and accepting the responsibility and taking on the role of being like the, their mentor, their teacher. Mm. I thought that was really, really great. Um, and as far as world building, it's nice to see the kids take charge. Like they, they're mm. the ones that have said, the adults are not helping us in the way that we need to be helped. So if they're not going to help us, we're going to do it ourselves. So I think that this one was the one where everyone kind of realizes we're not going to get the help that we need unless we pull it from within. And I think that that is a really important lesson, not just for kids, but like for everybody to, to have. It's like whatever you need to succeed, you have it within you, but you you have to bring it to the surface. Um, so this one, this this film just feels so much more emotional than all the other ones so far. And as far as favorite scenes, my favorite scene is very silly, but it is my favorite trope in all of media is people out of place in a certain time. And my favorite scene is close to the beginning when Mr. Weasley is taking Harry to the Ministry of Magic, but they have to go through London to get to the visitor entrance and watching him on the escalator and he has no idea how to ride an escalator. He looks so uncomfortable and so yeah. miserable. Then he can't go through the turnstile because he doesn't have, you know, a subway card. And it's just like watching him be so awkward in the muggle world is mm-hmm. so funny. And I loved it so much because it's it is literally a three minute scene. But like it is it to me, it like encapsulates encap- everything that is Arthur Weasley. Like it is just so perfect in three minutes and it is, it is my favorite scene in the film just him being awkward like trying to get to the visitor entrance of the ministry i love all that part in london like just like not familiar with how i just don't believe that he wouldn't know like, i mean he like it's it's, it's hard to believe because he is obsessed with muggles but like it makes sense because he would not be walking through london to get to the ministry like he takes the flu that's yeah. how he usually gets to to work so and it just but like harry is just so like oh i've got to take my drunk uncle and make sure he makes it onto the subway train <laughs> right you know like he's just so over it like he, yeah, yeah. but he has a subway card and he's like oh my god you put the card on the thing like okay now go and it's just like yes <laughs> yes <laughs> um <clears throat> anyway to break down a little bit i think I definitely think the script was a lot stronger. I think the style, the structure, and the pacing actually were a lot more. Uh, they were spot on this time. Uh, I felt felt it was a little bit messy last uh, last movie, but this one was a lot better. I found that actually the I liked how they set things up. I think actually again, I've said this before about J.K. Rowling. She does well to set things up. I think there's little things that are sewn in very small, like Harry using magic in the Muggle world, and then the repercussions of that. And even seeing um, Vernon, uh, the, the uncle, what's his mm-hmm. name, Vernon? Yeah. yeah. How happy, yeah. How happy he is that Harry's been expelled. Like justice, like, <laughs> and, uh, and like I, I love that actually they because they don't normally get too involved in whatever Harry's doing, and it was like yes, 
been expelled. And like, but I just love like that. Who gets excited about that? Like, like he does because he's unlike Harry. Like, yeah. And, uh, like, but I love how then that then sets off to them having to obviously go to the ministry, uh, magic, magic ministry, ministry place, whatever it's called. Um, and uh, and obviously then we get to meet uh, kind of like the villain for the movie, obviously in Umbridge, mm. and um, like just her sort of tone and everything like that uh you kind of think initially kind of dismiss her thinking she's just someone in the um sort of audience or whatever and then then obviously we get to the school and then find out she's at it kind of set, setting things up i love how she's jk rowling sewed those little bits in mm-hmm. um obviously i know she didn't write the the script for the actual movie but it's from her book but i love how she sets all that up so i think it's done really well and you just don't really expect to have a particularly evil teacher in terms of mm-hmm. you know the how the, the someone who actually line. tortures children yeah yeah like it literally just doesn't care like she's yeah. like you know even makes a reference later on going what they don't know won't hurt them or whatever mm-hmm. and and obviously we find out more about her in later movies but i gotta say i gotta love how she gets carried off by um yeah by the uh, centaurs yeah yeah, the, yeah like, and um, i just love all of that it's great but um uh, yeah, I just think it's done really well. Like my, my favorite scene was one we've actually already talked about where Dumbledore's like, look, I'm not going to Azkaban. Like, I'm off. You know, I'm not I'm not going easily. Like, but I, I think Dumbledore really stood out to me in this film. Uh but I really loved as well actually how the kids really came into their own. I think you mm-hmm. can see the transition between children to early adults in this film and creating their own army. For me, that was just really enjoyable to see them taking ownership for once rather than them being kind of led through the film mm-hmm. actually this is more this is probably the first film where they were starting to lead the film or the plot um so yeah for me overall i wouldn't cut anything like you actually cookie said i love these films and i'm not too bothered if it was two hours like you know these are kind of like event films really so when we get event films we can't really question i think if they're too long or too short because i think we can if they're trying to be like four hours Zack snyder <laughs> okay that was like a one-off like <laughs> that's only because they realized the wb realized that they really messed up by letting joss, ha- by letting joss finish that off yeah yeah they, sh- they should have said to zach come back when you finish grieving mm-hmm. and you can finish the film and i and i said it even in when i reviewed that i think if it had been done without joss's influence we wouldn't have had never would have had a four-hour film in the first place yeah anyway come back to harry potter i think it was done well i was nothing i particularly would have cut i love the style and everything i just think it's great i I love this movie so um cookie we we kind of moved our ratings to 10 out of 10 for um these movies and i just wondered how would you rate it out of 10 nine nine point six and a quarter (laughs) it is high it is i think the main reason why is because we we have so many different characters that each get their own push in their own plot Mm. and their devices of how they come to be and their character development within each character is is wonderful i think and this is uh, a quintessential moment in the storyline where the muggle world has a heavily involvement into the magical world and the magical world realizes that hey, Voldemort's back. We we have to do something. He's actually here. We can't we can't stop hiding anymore. We can't stop pretending. So it's like all these other films before it didn't have that element of Voldemort, but now that we have it here, it's like everybody's like on oh crap moment. And what are we gonna do? How are we gonna go and continue on with life? Yeah. How did you write it, Jasmine? 
Honestly, I I am upping my rating. I was originally going to go eight. I'm going to go nine on <sighs> this one Whoa. because because I know how shitty six is. Um, <laughs> but like this this film, I think watching it this time felt a lot different than the previous times I've watched it. And now I can really see how this fifth film is the linchpin to the successful ending of the entire series. Mm. And as that kind of like key turning point, you it's, it's just done so well. Like the, they, it's, it's a lot less about like big explosions and big action sequences and more about like actual dialogue and actual like close hand-to-hand kind of combat to get you to the point where you realize like, oh shit, this is getting real. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go nine on this one, which is my highest uh, rating so far of the series. I'm going to go eight out of 10 on this. So I, I enjoyed it. There's nothing wrong with an eight out of 10. I think it's a good movie. And I do agree with you, Jasmine. You can see now the payoff mm-hmm. for the training later yes. on. Yeah. And actually without this film, Voldemort probably would have won. So, yeah, without this film, Seven doesn't feel as impactful. I think now, having reviewed, going through this as we're doing it every week, I kind of see the real benefit of this movie. I really enjoyed it, got no complaints on it, but I'm giving it 8 out of 10. So, Not bad. Uh, yeah, so uh, for our next episode, we're going to be continuing our run towards our epic 100th episode, which Cookie's already passed that. And uh, we're going to be counting down the milestone, and we're going to be reviewing, obviously, the six Harry Potter movie next week. Um, Cookie, where can people find you online? Yeah, uh, on social media, uh, just little podcasts on Instagram, just podcasting on Twitter. I'm on YouTube as well, uh, just little podcasts. I try to put out a video once a month, so we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me on social medias. And you can find Geeks and Nation everywhere. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Obviously, we're on YouTube. And you can find we're just Geeks Unleashed. Yep. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. And thanks very much for listening. Cookie, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks, Cookie. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. All right. Good journey. Good journey indeed. (laughs) 